and welcome to Geek Speak the Podcast. Today we have Ken and Pete here with us to school us on some higher education marketing. Hello. Hello, Amy. Good morning. All right, so today we're going to be talking about how to leverage digital media in the higher education field. So why don't we start with one of you guys talking about the student funnel? Yeah, so we'll start anytime we're dealing with a higher education client. Um, it's always important to establish out of the gate what their goals are and, and part of that conversation is always going to be what part of the funnel they're trying to hit. So when we talk about the funnel, um, you can have top, middle, bottom, and it comes down to essentially what their call to action is going to be. Um, if you're trying to simply just collect some data and get some potential students in their pipeline, that would be considered top of funnel where we're putting out just like a landing page that has a simple form um, for a student to essentially request more info. Um, that's going to be very high level, very simple for the student themselves. That gives the school <clears throat> the ability to collect some data and then leverage that moving forward, obviously. On the other spectrum of it, on the very bottom of the funnel, that's the more hard call to action of a school is trying to get someone to actually apply um, and actually get an enrolling student right here and there. So that's the type of strategy that's going to be, you're not going to have as high of a conversion rate with something like that because it is a lot more of a bigger commitment on the actual student's part, um, but it's definitely different strategies will be involved depending upon where we're going to be working within that funnel. Yeah, and I would say to piggyback off that too, I know we're going to get into the personas a little bit, yep. a lot of where they are in the funnel also depends on who we're actually targeting. Yep. Because if it's an adult learner, you know, somebody who's maybe a little uh, older in age in their career a little bit and maybe looking to make a shift, they uh, they might be closer to conversion than you know the 17 year old high school senior who's just now trying to figure out where he or she wants to go to college and that sales cycle or that funnel might take a little longer to you know push them down toward enrollment versus an adult learner who kind of knows what they want and they they might even know what school they want to go to. Well, getting into now that you guys talked about target personas, getting into that. So I know you guys talked about mainly the students because obviously the other one's going and a lot of students pay for themselves. But I also know that parents a lot of times are sending their kids to school. So do you ever target the parents too? Yeah, I mean, traditionally when, when myself and Ken and the rest of the team start to set up and actually work with a client, a uh, higher education client on a campaign, there's a list of questions we're asking in terms of obviously, you know, knowing are we targeting any specific programs or is it just general enrollment? Hey, we're trying to boost enrollment for, uh, for the spring semester or, we're really trying to get more, you know, more students, more enrollment up in our nursing program or something like that. So those are just kind of like baseline questions we ask off the bat. And then from there, as we get that info, we start to develop the personas. Um, you know, I guess to go back to your initial question, yes. I mean, I would say uh, more often than not, we actually are targeting the parents in conjunction with the student because that messaging needs to be completely different. You know, uh, the parent a lot of times is a big influencer or decision maker for the student both um, financially as well as just motivationally, I think. Yeah, so with that, like, let's just say we have a Facebook campaign set up. Um, within the campaign itself, we're gonna have different ad sets broken out, one for the, the younger crowd, the potential students, and one for the actual parents. And to Pete's point of different messaging, the one that's going to the parent, we're gonna wanna speak more to like, this is an affordable school. This is like the, the more financial aspect, close to home, kind of keep. Parents don't care about the social lives of the students? No, not as My much. My dad did not care when I went <laughs> to Penn State if I'd be attending football games. Not as much. I mean, that that's not going to be as big of a selling point. So that's like to that point, like kind of highlighting some of maybe like the 
the sports teams or just what can be done on campus, the actual campus itself, that's going to be more of an appeal to the student who is going to be actually at the school. So those are the types of highlights that we would include in a student ad that aren't necessarily going to be in the parent ad. So those personas definitely are very important. And I know Facebook, for one, is, is very good at um, allowing us to target parents with children of certain ages. So that kind of falls into to that targeting criteria there. So um, definitely different messaging and obviously different channels as well for breaking out parents versus um, like the younger students. So something like a Snapchat is going to be more of like an awareness play and it's not necessarily going to drive a, a ton of um, forum leads or even definitely not applications, but that's one where we're going to get in front of the students, but not the parents because the parents aren't going to be on Snapchat. So yeah and Amy I feel like you brought up a good point before where you know I think the schools need to really leverage what it is that's best about their institution to draw people in right so yep. if we go through the room here like how we decided to make our college decisions right so you personally you went to Penn, Penn State, State right so yeah. you know great uh, just libraries right really the library is just really good academic yep. program right strictly, but, strictly academics right so <laughs> you personally what drew you into penn state right obviously you know big football program yeah nice party just, school yeah, no <laughs> okay. my dad's not listening to this but no it would definitely be that um academics were strong but also mm -hmm. just like the sense of community was really great when i walked in just seeing it and just seeing how big of an alumni connection they had and all that stuff really just sold me now did you have any family members that went there that helped no, I'm the first in my Nittany line line, but that will change. Okay. All right. Ken, your decision? Yeah, so I, I went to Monmouth, so just I always wanted to be close enough to home to where I didn't have to pay for room and board, so that, that proximity and just the drive of commuting every day was, was definitely a big factor for me. Um, the campus itself, too, I did a tour there, and it's just a beautiful campus, so that's always one of their biggest selling points is the fact that it's a smaller campus and it's just a beautiful campus with a lot of historic-looking buildings and things like that. So the proximity to the beach also didn't hurt. Um, that's always one where if you want to take a study break outside of campus, you can literally drive five minutes down the road and you can just go sit on the beach and, and do some work there. So that that was kind of my ideal selling point was the, the closest to home and then just the actual campus and location of being in, in Long Branch. Okay, and then for me personally, I started out at community college, so my big thing out of high school was affordability, uh, because I was going to pay for that myself to start. Mm -hmm. And when I did move on to my four-year school, William Patterson, up in Wayne, you know, living at Brick at that time, it was, you know, an hour and 20, hour 30 minute ride, so I lived on campus, but what really pushed me forward with that was, um, you know, a good uh, English program, and the fact that I had a couple friends already there. So if we kind of recap all of our decisions here, every one of us had you know, different reasons why we chose our schools from affordability to proximity to home, to academics, to sports. So there's so many different reasons why you know, each individual student's gonna choose you know, all the different types of universities yeah. and institutions that are out there. So I think a, a big thing for higher education you know, institutions right now is which one of those do we actually push and you know how many students actually out there actually care about you know variable a versus yep. variable b and you know that's that's what i think kind of muddies the waters of higher education marketing sometimes yeah and that's honestly going to be different school to school so that's one where anytime we're dealing kind of back to the example of my facebook ad within the student and the parent personas we can test out different variables within the actual copy itself so one of our student ads might talk about the proximity to home one of it might talk about um the actual academics or the sports team. So 
it's going to vary school to school because each school, given their location, is, is going to have a different student base that they're essentially speaking to. So within each school, leveraging some form of A-B test is always going to be important within that copy within each of those personas. Yeah. That makes sense. And so I have a question. So some schools, like I know I went to Penn State, very strong uh, athletics-wise. I know like some schools are trying to get more into athletics, like the smaller schools. Mm -hmm. Would you suggest that if they wanted to present themselves as a sports school, do that through marketing or just wait till your sports team start like performing until it's like popular at your school and then bring it into marketing? Yeah, I think you got to look at, you know, if, if you're if you're a school trying to get into athletics and you're not kind of there yet. I think you got to look at you know what else sets you apart because if you're trying to compete on the athletic side, it's going to be very tough. Now, yeah. Even like not even just athletics. So like if you your school doesn't have like not that it doesn't have a good say nursing program, but you're trying to become one of the better ones, mm -hmm. could you start presenting yourself and really focusing on the nursing one, or should you wait until like you have not the stuff to back it up? But you know what I mean? Yeah. No. I mean, I think when it comes to that, when it comes to academics, I think if you offer the program and, you know, you're, you're succeeding in getting students placed into jobs or, you know, students are graduating and they're, they're making the most of that degree, you know, I think it's as simple as getting a testimonial done from a, a past successful student, a video testimonial, anything that you can put in a YouTube remarketing clip or on, you know, a video landing page, anything that's going to make that student who's visiting that page connect with that alumni who's now doing something with that degree that they paid for, uh, which we know isn't cheap now. Yeah. Um, so I think student to student, if that value can be shown, then I would say absolutely, you know, you're in a spot to push that. For sure. That makes sense. All right. So we talked about, we touched on the different personas and we slightly touched on like the different channels that you guys use. Mm -hmm. But so for the different personas, what different channels? So obviously, like you said before, for you're not using Snapchat to target parents because most parents aren't or maybe shouldn't be are your that. is your dad on there he is not thank okay. goodness he's on facebook though if anyone wants to friend him got it <laughs> well that's the best channel i mean if yeah. you want to jump into channels you know facebook is still where where we spend a lot of the marketing yep. dollars and we spend them there because we see the results yep um you know facebook has the largest diversity in terms of age groups you know you still have despite what anyone wants to say there's still high school students mm -hmm. on facebook there's still you know high school students to grandparents on Facebook. Yeah. We've done campaigns where we're targeting grandparents um, because they're part of the influencers as well. They may be wanting to help pay for the students, you know, their grandchild's tuition. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that's every campaign. I'm not saying that's common in campaigns, but we leverage Facebook to hit a lot of different people of ages and of demographics. Yeah. Um, you know, alongside Facebook, obviously comes Instagram. I was going to say, I was going to piggyback with Instagram. So obviously Instagram, we're going to have a, a lot younger of a demo as a base. Um, so overall, just even between the two, Facebook just typically has more higher intent than Instagram. And by no means am I saying Facebook has the most high intent if you're comparing to like something like Google. But between the two, if you think about it, Facebook's a lot more like news oriented nowadays. So if you're scrolling through Facebook, you're actually going to be at least in the mindset where you might be looking to read something. Um, certain articles might pop up and you, and you might have that mindset as you go onto that platform. Whereas on Instagram, it's more more mindless. I mean, you're just going, you're just, you see pictures, here's a dog, here's your friends. And like, that's all you're really looking at. Like you're, you're not doing anything that really requires much mental work when you're on Instagram. So between the two of them, 
I've seen a lot better success through Facebook than I have on Instagram, especially when it comes to higher ed. Um, just simply, you're going to pay more per click on Instagram. That's just because the, the placements are um, going to just simply cost more based on the inventory. And the intent's not there as much as it is on Facebook to where I would much rather push Facebook than Instagram, just knowing that we have the wider range of people and the actual reasoning of being on Facebook speaks more to this crowd. Yeah, I think you hit on two important things there. One, the placements, right? We talked about the cost per clicks being more expensive on Instagram versus Facebook. And it makes sense, right? Because when you're on Facebook, uh, you know, you see there's newsfeed ads and you can pick mobile or desktop. You can pick the little right-hand side. You can show on their audience network. Mm -hmm. You can show in the marketplace or in Messenger. So right there, there's five or six different placements that you can choose where yeah. when you're on Instagram, it's mobile newsfeed and that's it. So that's why, you know, you get charged a little bit more of a premium to show on Instagram and it's also seasonal, right? So, you know, we're, we're a week out from Christmas, the last month to two months, it's been so much more expensive because yeah. Black Friday, Cyber Monday, it's so much more competitive on Instagram right now. Um, the second thing there is just the actual creative type. Yeah. So Ken, like you were saying, you know, when you're on Facebook, you expect to see things that are a little more newsworthy because there's a lot of, a lot more text based things on Facebook versus Instagram, which is highly visual. So running the same creative that you're running with on Facebook, on Instagram, isn't always gonna be the best way to go because if you're not capturing their attention within the first one to two seconds on Instagram as they're mindlessly scrolling through, you know, you're not gonna capture them, they're gonna scroll right past. And if you're paying by impression, that's an impression and you just got charged. Yeah. So that's where we start to leverage things like video creatives, make sure we get the messaging out Let's get in front of them, make sure it stands out in their face, in their, you know, in their newsfeed within the first second or two or else we're going to lose them. And that's just to that point. Anytime we're dealing with the video too, like especially with schools, you need that branding right up in front on a video because if, if you save the end of the video to pop your like school logo up there, most people are not going to hit the end of that video. So when we're talking Instagram especially, um, at least if you hit them right up front with the, the logo popping up and then you kind of filter into the actual messaging of the ad itself, um, I think that's a good way to, at the very least, have that brand awareness out there. So you're you're not going to stick and watch the whole video all the time, but at the very least, the school name's there, and it'll kind of be top of mind next time they encounter your school name, at least. So I know a lot of schools pride themselves on like their history being around since 1700s, 1800s, whatever it is. So sometimes I feel like schools tend to let their website go maybe like they made it and they kind of forgot about it but back with all in the your 1700s back yeah 1700s when internet was around and really popular <laughs> with wi-fi but um i feel like with all your ads you're probably sending them to landing pages and stuff to fill out a form but if your landing page kind of looks like your website which is older and not as modern so what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so if, if you're basically going to be going to the website itself, um, a lot of higher education websites, I mean, for starters, there's a lot of paths that can be taken because a school is going to encompass a lot of different um, variables from just the different programs to the um, scholarships to financial aid. There's just a lot of routes that can be taken. So pair that with an older website and you're just making for a poor user experience and knowing most of our traffic is going to funnel through the mobile devices someone clicks on that and it pops up on their phone like if it's an older site everything's going to be jumbled and whatever information that potential student is looking for is not going to be readily available so we do like to push landing pages because they're going to be a lot more focused and just simply 
you're going to get the information that's needed in front of the student and they don't have to worry about navigating through 15 different pages to get to what they want and also it's just going to look a lot cleaner when they're on their mobile device. Yeah, it's, it's the ability to send them directly to the page uh, based on what they were searching for. So typically there's hundreds if not thousands of pages on a higher education website and, and from everything we've seen if we take over an account or we audit an account a lot of times it's just being sent to the homepage where they have a million different ways yeah. to go. Uh, or it's, <clears throat> it's sent to just an outdated page and the bounce rate is so high because it looks like it was built years ago. In 1700s. 1700s, exactly. <laughs> and it just doesn't have the content or you know the, visual, the visually stimulating images or videos that students want now. Um, you know, if you think back to what we said before on Instagram, if, if we have this awesome creative on Instagram that's killing it and then we don't match that with a, a good looking page, that you know um, matches up to it, and we send them back to you know an HTML-based page that has nothing on it. That experience just drops off. So we, you know, perfect fit for us is being able to control the landing pages, to build them, to work with the client, um, you know, give our strategic advice on the creative, on the video, on the content. We don't want paragraphs of blocky content. We want short, sweet taglines that get the point across students. And, you know, people in general just don't want to read. They want to be able to see a bullet point, get the information, fill out a form, click a button, and go. True. All about convenience. Yeah, and storytelling. That's and just, storytelling. just just to Pete's point. Like, if the ad needs to match the page, and if you're going really fresh and new-looking creative to old HTML 1700s, you're, you're just simply not going to convert from there. So. I mean, it probably looks like two different schools completely. Exactly, yeah. So I was reading the other day, you know, preparing for the podcast and all, like different higher education trends, and I read about people using nano and like micro influencers. What are your thoughts on that for social? Do you think it'd be beneficial? Do you think it's not worth it? It's an interesting topic, influencers. It's not something that we typically leverage or that I've really heard of being leveraged on the higher education side. Um, you know, because you wouldn't be doing like celebrities and stuff like other mark like if I like Michael Jordan drinks Pepsi, I'm gonna right. drink Pepsi like that. When Michael Jordan goes to UNC, you know, yeah, like, every little kid, yeah, they probably want to go to UNC to play yeah. basketball, but that's not gonna correlate as much into LeBron James and people wanting to drink Sprite as much yeah. as, you know, uh Michael yeah. Jordan wanted to go to UNC. But you know, it's it's something that's done a lot more in the fashion industry. Mm -hmm. Um we've done it with a lot of clientele, you know, have never done it with higher education and I just think you know, it's tough to put a return on investment for that stuff, right? When it's e-commerce, it's a little different. You know, we had an influencer, they did 10 posts for us, and we track everything through a unique special URL, and we know how many people purchased. The higher education sales funnel can be anywhere from a few months to a few years. Yeah. And being that it's lead generation, as compared to, you know, a hard e-commerce sale and, and money handed over fist, it's going to be a lot more difficult to track that return. For sure, yeah. So, like, just to that point, um, that whole funnel, back kind of back to that funnel and that process, most of the time for higher ed, we are kind of more on the, the top of the funnel and the middle funnel. So it's not like we're saying, hey, we got this student in the door for you today, and they're going to be a student next month. Like, it's going to be bring them in now, and next year they might be a student. But trying to track from now through there is definitely a harder topic within higher education because there's going to be a lot of third-party platforms with applications. And just in terms of the trackability of that stuff is, is always a challenge within higher education. So bringing it back to the whole influencer side of this, um, 
to Pete's point, it's definitely going to be very hard to put an actual number there. So like you paid the influencer X amount of dollars, there's going to be very, very hard to pinpoint what that final number is come five years down the road. Mm -hmm. And also five Mm -hmm. years down the road, like who's going to, like we're not going to be asking those questions necessarily. Like, hey, back in, it's like five years ago, we spent this. It's the whole idea of of like nano influencers either, because, you know, the term nano kind of highlights the fact that it's not going to be these big, large people with these million dollar ad budgets to influence, right? Like if it's organically done and it's, you know, somewhat of a famous alumni that went to that school that wants to help them promote it. Um, you know, you think of like Mike Greenberg, right? So he's, uh, you know, ESPN personality. He went to Northwestern, really good journalism school. He's always at their football games and their basketball games. And he's always, you know, promoting them on Instagram organically, you know, just really proud of his team. To me, that's a nano influencer where it's not this campaign that he's, I don't think he's going to pay for it. Maybe he is. I highly doubt it, but he just has that school pride. And I think that rubs off on people. I have a similar situation on a very smaller level, but Dickie V, Dick Vitale, a lot of people don't know he went to William Patterson. It was probably one of his stops along the way, but again, did that make me go there? No, but is it cool for me to say? One, yes. Two, I think it is something that does open William Patterson up a little more to people who might not know who it is. True. That makes sense. Um, I have way too many people that went to Penasset. I won't sit here and brag, but uh, one last topic before... We close out for the day. Big trending topic in higher education is student debt. Do you avoid it in your ads? Because it's kind of unavoidable at times since tuition yeah. is so expensive. <laughs> or do you just go yeah. for it? No, I mean, it's, uh, it's a really good question. And it's something that, you know, you can't get away from, right? I mean, yeah. all three of us here are probably dealing with student debt, right? Um, it's just something that, that probably everyone deals with who goes to college. If, if you're not dealing with it, you're fortunate enough to have had scholarships or someone helping you out and that's great um but you know there's no way of getting around that anymore right i mean people are so much more keen to uh interest rates and loans and taking out money and what they're actually gonna have to put back there's so much more at people's fingertips now with the internet you can research you know what student loan debt's gonna look like in in 25 30 years um you know we had a, a really great conversation with one of our higher education clients recently uh, about this very topic, you know, uh, they're a community college and, and it's just even for a community college It's getting more expensive for students to attend and You know one thing that that we kind of agreed on with the client was trade schools, right? So There's so much research and content out there for why higher education enrollment is down and a lot of that is tied to trade schools I also saw that a lot of people like a lot of employers like some Googles and stuff aren't even requiring degrees anymore Mm -hmm. like if you just get your like associate's degree or something that as long as you have like the skill set and obviously you're a hard worker that yeah they'll take you so that's probably factoring into it too yeah Yeah, that's it it definitely factors into it I mean not that we here at sem geeks do that (laughs) but like I do a lot of the interviewing on the marketing side and yes obviously we want to see you know college graduate that's great that's awesome but when we're actually looking to interview somebody, me personally, I'm looking more at your skill set and your personality, your communication skills, your organization. You know, I don't care if you graduated from Harvard or if you graduated from community college, if you took the initiative to do a digital boot camp or you had, you know, you took the initiative to do an internship and you're communicating and you're up to speed on things, I'm gonna put a lot more stack behind that than I am where you got your degree from. Not taking anything away from that, but just going back to the trade schools as well. There's a lot of parents out there um, 
who are just you know looking pushing at that now of, of yeah. college education and saying wow i wonder if if my kid went to a trade school they could be less debt and they could be making more money quicker and it's a long-term career for something that is going to be needed for a long time so you know it's it's unavoidable you can't get around the fact that you know college is expensive and that college debt talk and i personally think the the schools that do it more are gonna you know mentioning it in the ad copy and on the landing page are going to put themselves in a better light moving forward yeah for sure and just to piggyback something from earlier real quick um there are going to be schools too in jersey that with the community colleges they, they can offer free tuition for certain people so just if you have that opportunity that's something you would definitely look to leverage to kind of offset that um just as kind of a like we can offer you this so you won't necessarily have that as much debt so to kind of counter that point of speaking to debt all makes sense all good stuff well thanks for chatting with me today thank and you thank you sharing all your knowledge see you next time